Welcome to the Teaching with Inquiry live podcast replay, fitting it all together to make inquiry-based learning accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. We are in the summer of 2020, and all month of July, Madly Learning is going to be focusing on talking about literacy. So this is our very first video in our summer literacy series, and we will have videos that come out every Monday will be new videos, as well as I'm going to be sharing some replay videos with you on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and then Fridays in the Teaching with Madly Learning Facebook group. I'm going to be hosting office hours Q&A sessions within that group at 1 p.m. on Fridays. So if you are not already a member of that group, I encourage you to head on over to Facebook and search Teaching with Madly Learning and join the group there. And if you're having a hard time finding that group, always feel free to send me a message and I will make sure to get you the link so that you can get into that group and join our conversations live on Fridays at 1 p.m. So if you are new to the show, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. My name is Patty and I am a junior grade teacher in Ontario, Canada, and I create videos for teachers like you to talk about what teaching is like in classrooms today and to help you to navigate some of the issues and circumstances that we face as teachers on a regular basis. And it is always my hope that I can help to make teaching more interesting and fun for both you and your students. Today's video is all about getting started and your literacy program and where to begin. If you are looking ahead to September and you don't even know where to start, then today's video is for you. So where do we even begin? Well, let's dig right into it. Where do we begin? We begin at the beginning. So we're going to look at your schedule. This is the very first thing that you're going to need to tackle is you need to know about how much time you're going to have to do your literacy schedule. Now, the key here is what you're going to integrate. Now, literacy, at least in Ontario, has four components, oral language, reading, writing, and media. So let's take the first and the last there with oral language and media. Oral language can be assessed in every subject you teach. Now, you're going to be focusing on a lot of oral language as you're going to be taking that into reading. So every time you do a read aloud, that is really going to be assessing students' listening and speaking and ability to respond to an oral text. So you're going to integrate oral language into your reading as well as your writing, but you're also going to integrate oral language into science and social studies and math in terms of how students are going to use some of their speaking skills. Presentations in those subject areas are a great way to assess oral language all throughout your day. 
Now, the other piece is media. Again, I think it's really important that we can integrate media into other content areas, such as science and social studies. Because if we can cover two birds with one stone, why not? It also frees up some of your time in your language block to focus more on reading and writing. Certainly, you can integrate some media activities into your language program, but I also think it's important that we integrate that into health, which has some key tie-ins here with media, as well as integrating it into science and social studies when we're thinking about evaluating media forms when we are doing some research. So the second piece that we need to focus on is how much time in your schedule. Now, I have seen some pretty wacky looking schedules. However, it's really important to carve out 80 to 100 minutes of literacy instruction each and every day. Now, this means that you might need to take some time away from science and social studies. Don't worry, you will have enough time for those in your week when you teach them one at a time. So one unit of science, one unit of social studies. But I like to think that science and social studies can be covered in about 150 minutes a week, whereas language should be between 400 and 500 minutes in an entire week. Now, within that 80 to 100 minutes, regardless of what amount of time you have, you should be focused on about two-fifths of your language time should be focused on reading activities, and two-fifths should be focused on writing activities, and about one-fifth of your time focusing on spelling and grammar. So that's the breakdown that I find works, and media is not something separate, or a language is not something separate. They're all integrated into those timeframes there. Now, the second thing to do when you are getting started with your literacy program is to make a plan. Curriculum is going to be our driving force or the standards that we are following are going to really be the driving force here. However, like I've talked about in previous videos, it's a bit of a flip as to how you look at the curriculum and use it to plan your literacy program. Number one, you do need to be really familiar with the curriculum or programs of study that you need to follow. So go in there, make your own list and put it into your words. Look at the key learnings that need to be covered in your curriculum or programs of study and make a list of it. Then take that list and put it to the side because you won't need it again until the end. Then I want you to look at themes, themes perhaps that are already pre-assigned to you by your school, perhaps you're focusing on character traits, or there are themes that happen such as Remembrance Day, Black History Month, Asian Heritage Month. Those are great themes that you can use to help guide your resource selection, but we want to use themes because we can pick themed resources a lot easier than we can pick resources to fit specific expectations. So pick themes. I personally really like character education themes, which means I want to teach things like responsibility, respect, integrity, perseverance, resilience, grit, empathy, all of those are key themes that I already know are pretty easy to find resources that will tie into those themes. When all of my resources, including the ones I'm choosing for reading, shared, 
read aloud, guided reading are all related to the theme, then automatically things feel like they fit. And that's my overall goal is that my literacy program fits together. So once I've picked my themes, my next step is to move on to choosing the books. Now, I've used internet searches. I've used my personal favorites as well as my collection to go through and pick books that relate to that theme. Now, when I'm saying pick books, I'm really talking about picture books because everything for me is going to be built off that picture book, including if I'm choosing to read chapter books, it's all going to relate back to the picture books and the themes that I have selected to go with it. So once I have made a list of curriculum expectations, put them off to the side, picked themes for each month or term, and then picked books that relate to that theme, now it's time to bring back those expectations and begin to look at how those expectations fit with the books that I've chosen, with the books that I've chosen. When I cluster those expectations, I'm finding expectations that go with that book. Now, sometimes the question comes, well, how do I know which expectations go with the book? Go with your gut. What is your feeling when you read the picture book yourself? Are you making connections? Are you making inferences? Are you making predictions? What is the comprehension strategy that you are most inclined to use yourself when reading that book? And focus on that for your students. Then look at themes, topics, themes, plots, character development, Can you find other books that share similarities with that read aloud? If you can, then pick those for your shared reading. Can you find newspaper articles or other nonfiction topics that relate to something within that read aloud? There's your shared reading or even your guided reading for that matter. And you've clustered those expectations from your list to fit that theme. Now, what order do you do them in? It doesn't matter. Literacy is all-encompassing, and skills build on top of skills in layers. So there's not one direction that one must follow to do things in a perfect order. I personally like to spiral my instruction so that I'm covering multiple topics over and over and over again, and I'm simply just getting deeper and deeper into that instruction. Number three, now this is an important one. You might now have your plan, but nothing of your plan matters if you don't have the basic classroom management routines and built into your classroom. Managing your classroom is paramount to having a successful literacy program. Even if you have the most difficult students in your class, you will need to figure out how you are going to manage them and train them how to work independently. Now, I am a firm believer that every student has the capacity to work independently when the work is at their independent work level, they are familiar with what they're doing, and they are motivated to do it. So the first thing is building your classroom management. How are you going to do that? What is it going to look like? How are you going to 
how are you going to build community in your classroom? And how are you going to engage learners in a meaningful way that isn't always necessarily tied to, say, rewards and consequences? It might be that at first, but you also want to build that intrinsic motivation so that they're not just motivated by external external things like rewards or prizes or points. I personally use my kudos club as a way to manage my classroom because it focuses on the whole group working together to reach common goals and focuses on targeted skills and behaviors that are goal areas for the class. I find that this is a great way to build that community feeling and a sense of togetherness, which is often helpful because I use that in order to manage some of the needed behaviors during independent work skills. Now, it also means that classroom management, you can have the best plan, but if you don't train your students with exactly what you expect, then it might not always work. Training is of the utmost importance because you need to train them on everything. If you imagine their behaviors as a lump of Play-Doh that needs to be molded and shaped into what you expect, it means that you need to be very clear on what you expect. What do you want independent work to look like, sound like, feel like? What does whole group instruction look like? What does small group instruction look like? What does partner work look like if we're allowed to have partner work? But what is that going to look like? You at least have to have a vision in your mind of what you want so that you can communicate that to your students. And it also needs to be reasonable with their developmental level. So what you can do in grade three is going to be a lot different from what you can do in grade six in theory. And your literacy program is also going to be dependent on your ability to get your students to work independently. Every student has the ability to work independently. However, the work they need must be at their independent work level. They must need to know exactly what they need to do, and they should probably have a little bit of ownership in what it is that they're doing, because then they're doing it for themselves. They're not doing it for you. And I also think that it's important to acknowledge that independent work skills doesn't mean that the child or student needs to be engaged 100% of the time at sustained independent work. I mean that they need to have a reasonable level of sustained independent work because I might not get 100% perfection from a student working independently but I'll be completely honest, even as an adult, I'm not going to give you 100% independent work. I'm going to take breaks. I'm going to look around. I might have a conversation. However, your goal for independent work is not for them to be independent 100% of the time. Your goal for independent work is that they can complete their work and meet deadlines. And if they can do that while not sustaining 100% focus 100% of the time, then I'm okay with that. Personally, if they can still get their work done and their quality of work is still great, then I need to back off on the perfection expectation of focused work all the time. I also need to remember that independent work isn't always silent. 
and I shouldn't always need to be able to hear a pin drop. But if the work is getting done, then I need to back off a little bit. But if the work is not getting done, I need to put my foot on the gas pedal and get on them for that all the time and never let that fail. That the goal is always to get the work done. And if the work doesn't get done, then I have a problem. But I'm not necessarily going to have a problem if they're going to be talking a little bit all the time. And I will also let them fail and see the consequences of their decision if they choose not to work independently, because that will also help them to grow. Because frankly, humans learn really well from failure. So we do need to train them with what we expect, and we want a high level of independent work, but not perhaps 100%. Now, there are going to be four components to your literacy program to think and plan about. Those components are going to be, number one, teacher-directed lessons. There's still going to be a place for teacher-directed lessons. However, I think it's important to remember that these are going to be mini lessons and that we are going to be short and sweet and to the point with our teacher-directed lessons because we also have a lot to get through. Most of the time, it is hard to get through your literacy program and hard to get all of the things we need to get done done because we spend far too much time talking. So we also need to be looking at small group instruction as well as conferencing because that's going to be a key component for assessment as well as student independent work centers because those centers are what will allow us to engage in small group and conferencing routines in our classroom, which are going to be the biggest driver of success for your students is your ability to conference and work with them in small groups and push them to do better and do more. Now, the last thing we need to talk about for your literacy program is the pandemic. Clearly, school is going to be a lot different in September. We're not exactly sure what that is going to look like, but I think it is something we need to address when it comes to literacy. So we need to look at all of the activities that we could regularly do in our classroom on a normal school day where we are not in the middle of a pandemic. And then we need to look at what are the tasks that can be done at home because I'm not assessing it and what can be done at school. So when I look at those two tasks, I look at my literacy program and think, okay, what do I not need to do? And what do I need to do at school because it's important for my ability to assess students? There's quite a component of your literacy program that can do at home. And you need to look at what needs to be assessed, what are the key core things that are being assessed, and not everything is going to be assessed, sorry, evaluated. So if you're going to summative or formative, formative things can most likely be done at home or at school, and you can quickly look at them and mark them. All summative evaluative tasks should be done at school. And that's the benefit if students are in fact going to come into the school is that we can actually provide some evaluative work when they're at school. But a lot of the other components can be done at home. And if we are in a pandemic situation where some of this is in somewhere in the middle, then that's okay too. 
One of the benefits is if we are in a situation where they're both at school and at home is that we don't necessarily need to rely 100% on all digital tools because we can give them activities that they can take home with them, which is a larger benefit than what we had in the spring where everything was online. So all of our materials needed to be digital. So if they're doing a combination of in-class and at-home learning, then we do have the ability to not necessarily rely on 100% digital, which could relieve some of that stress for both teachers and students. So those are my five getting started strategies for how you can begin to tackle your literacy program. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for Wednesday and Thursday of this week, where I'm going to be sharing some replay videos about building independent work skills, as well as choosing different read aloud texts. And I will share some of my favorite with you. And I will also share with you another video on how to make your classroom literacy ready. However, that might have a few changes based on any of the pandemic recommendations, but I'm going to share that anyways, just to get you thinking of spaces and how you can structure your environment to get ready for literacy perhaps in a non-pandemic time. And then on Friday in the Teaching with Madly Learning Facebook group, we are going to be having office hours and a Q&A all about setting up your literacy program. So if you are not already a member of that group, then I want you to join me by going to Facebook and searching for Teaching with Madly Learning and ask to be admitted into that group and we will make sure that we get you in there before Friday so that you can participate in that Q&A. Thank you so much for joining me and we will see you later on this week. Bye for now. The Summer Literacy Series by Madly Learning is brought to you by Ignited Literacy. Hey junior teachers, are you teaching grades three to six this fall and struggling with wrapping your head around how you are going to teach literacy? I have been there. Teaching literacy can sometimes feel like spinning plates. And when I started teaching, it was the one thing that I knew I could do better. And it was constantly in this cycle of overwhelm and stress and failure. And my students were just generally disengaged in everything literacy. I remember sitting at my guided reading table covered in stacks of marking wondering why everything felt so disconnected when I knew that it should feel connected. I mean, reading and writing are tied together. So why did my teaching feel so disjointed? I hated the feeling that literacy brought me and I'm pretty motivated to avoid that feeling. So I wanted to make a plan to do things differently. I wanted a literacy program where reading and writing supported each other. Like I was teaching it holistically instead of separate all the time. After three long years of testing and figuring it out, revising and rewriting, I finally arrived at the program that changed my teaching. And I called it Ignited Literacy. It's a program that fits everything together. And finally, I have a cohesive program that covers all 
of things my students need. Differentiation, focus on a universal design, builds in student choice, and uses inquiry pedagogies with spiraled instruction. So if you're tired of the overwhelm of pulling your lessons from a million different places, and if you need a done-for-you solution and are ready to finally have a literacy program that works, then join me by going to www.ignitedliteracy.com. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Inquiry Live podcast replay. You can find the links, resources, and more information from today's episode at www.teachingwithinquiry.com. Don't forget, you can always catch this show live on Facebook every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern on the Madly Learning Facebook page. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Inquiry Live.